Thursday, May the 13th, and this is your morning briefing from The Economist. Coming up, another night of Israel-Hamas conflict and American inflation surges. First, the world in brief. Hamas continued to fire rockets into Israel, and Israel continued to launch airstrikes in Gaza as there appeared little sign of a de-escalation in their latest conflict. At least 67 people have now died in Gaza. Benjamin Netanyahu, Israel's prime minister, promised, quote, this is just the beginning after his government announced that it had killed several leaders of Hamas, the Islamist group that controls Gaza. Ismail Haniyeh, the leader of Hamas, said that, quote, the confrontation with the enemy is open-ended. Seven people have perished in Israel. A defiant Liz Cheney vowed to do everything in her power to prevent Donald Trump returning to office as she was ousted from her position as the Republicans' third-ranking member in the House of Representatives. Republicans became exasperated with the Wyoming congresswoman for refusing to peddle the lie that Joe Biden stole the 2020 presidential election. Colonial Pipeline resumed operations after being forced to close on Friday after a ransomware attack. That sparked panic buying and a spike in petrol prices. The firm that runs America's biggest fuel pipeline, which stretches from Texas to New Jersey and supplies about 45% of the petrol and diesel consumed on the East Coast, said it would take several days for operations to return to normal. An independent panel set up by the World Health Organization to review the global COVID-19 response released a report criticizing the world's preparedness for a pandemic. It argues that the WHO was too slow to declare an international emergency and that countries then wasted time while the virus spread. It suggested reforms such as a new disease surveillance system which could publish information without relying on countries to provide it. America's consumer price index rose by 0.8% in April compared with March. Annual inflation was up by 4.2%, the largest 12-month increase since the period ending September 2008. Although this fanned fears among investors, government officials, including Janet Yellen, the Treasury Secretary, said they expect any price surges to be temporary, driven by supply bottlenecks, among other factors. BlackRock was given permission to operate in China. The world's largest fund manager, which looks after nearly $9 trillion in assets, will own 50.1% of a joint venture with China Construction Bank and Temasek, Singapore's state fund. In seeking new profits in China, BlackRock follows Amundi, a French money manager that in 2019 started a joint venture with AgBank and Bank of China. Bitcoin's dollar value fell by over 10% after Elon Musk, the boss of Tesla, said his firm would stop accepting payment in the cryptocurrency. Mr. Musk cited the huge environmental cost that mining coins brings. Chinese miners alone are forecast to use as much energy as all of Italy by 2024. The electric car maker will resume accepting Bitcoin when mining shifts to sustainable energy sources, he said. And fact of the day, carbon can be crystallized into synthetic diamonds by applying 10 gigapascals of pressure, equivalent to the weight of 64 African elephants placed on the point of a ballet dancer's shoe, at temperatures above 2,000 degrees Celsius.
And now, here's today's agenda. Heretical Truths, Liz Cheney's ousting. When the top Republican in America's House of Representatives, Kevin McCarthy, succeeded on Wednesday in bouncing Liz Cheney out of her own leadership role, he pleased the constituent his party cares about most, former President Donald Trump. But he did so at some cost, yet to be determined to himself. Ms. Cheney's heresy was to speak the truth that Mr. Trump lost the last election and stand by it. Mr. McCarthy initially supported her, then buckled for fear of Mr. Trump's wrath. Where Ms. Cheney demonstrated strength, Mr. McCarthy revealed weakness. Some in his caucus are wondering if he is the right person to become Speaker if the Republicans do retake the majority. Conservatives are also unhappy with his candidate to replace Ms. Cheney, Elise Stefanik, a moderate whose chief credential is her commitment to Mr. Trump's electoral fantasy. Like many before him, Mr. McCarthy may wind up serving Donald Trump and paying for that service out of his own pocket. Open Sesame – Alibaba's Earnings Alibaba has a lot of explaining to do. The founder of the e-commerce empire, Jack Ma, has been tormented for months by Chinese authorities. Regulators have hit it with a $2.8 billion fine, a record sum in China, and the group has been forced to make sweeping changes to its business practices. Alibaba has shed $258 billion in market value, or 30%, since October. Today, it will have a chance to address some of these concerns when it reports earnings for the first quarter of 2021. The main question on investors' minds is whether the pain is over. Some think it might be. Analysts expect earnings per share to hit $1.80, up by more than 36% from the last quarter of 2020. Revenues are predicted to surge by up to 70%. Such strong results could indicate that the government's wrath is now focused on other tech groups such as Tencent and Meituan. Big Oil's Big Dilemma – BP's Climate Kerfuffle Climate-conscious investors want the world's oil and gas companies to cut emissions faster. But they are opposed by many more who are primarily interested in greenbacks rather than greenery. On Wednesday, shareholders at BP's annual meeting rejected a motion to force the energy firm to make more drastic emissions reductions. The day before, investors in Equinor, a Norwegian rival, also threw out resolutions proposing more stringent targets. Some green-minded fund managers oppose the motions too. One, CalPERS, which chairs a group of investors that campaigns for companies to cut their emissions, claims BP's bosses have already committed themselves to running the firm in accordance with the Paris Agreement's climate goals. Green activists, meanwhile, cry hypocrisy. They claim that many firms' targets do not fully account for the emissions caused by burning the hydrocarbons they produce. Expect this row to rumble on. A similar fracas is likely when shareholders in Royal Dutch Shell, another oil major, meet next week. Divorcing Blues, the Northern Ireland Protocol Today, Belfast's High Court will open a judicial review of the Northern Ireland Protocol, part of the Brexit trade deal agreed on by Boris Johnson, Britain's Prime Minister, with the European Union. 
The protocol, in effect, leaves the province in the EU's single market, which Great Britain has left, meaning that there are border and customs controls between the two in the Irish Sea. Unionist leaders in Northern Ireland who want the protocol scrapped argue that it breaches the Act of Union of 1800 and the Good Friday Agreement of 1998. They may not win their case, but Britain's government is also unhappy with the protocol. Lord Frost, the Brexit minister, this week said that it was not sustainable for long. Arlene Foster, the former leader of the Democratic Unionist Party, was recently ousted because she had previously supported it. Her successor will be chosen tomorrow. E-Olympics, the Olympic Virtual Series COVID-19 may still thwart this summer's rescheduled Tokyo Olympics, but online the game is on. Today, the International Olympic Committee, the festival's governing body, kicks off its inaugural eSports championship. The six-week jamboree features video game versions of baseball, cycling, rowing, sailing and motorsports. The committee has hinted at sponsoring more events in the future if this one is a success. The eSports industry and the IOC have much to offer each other. The former is hungry for prestige, the latter wants to attract more young fans. But those who want to see popular video games such as Fortnite or League of Legends in the Olympics, including The Economist, will be disappointed. The IOC plans to use eSports to boost interest in its traditional events. Fortnite's 350 million players might be otherwise occupied. Finally, here's the quote of the day from Fritjof Nansen, who died on this day in 1930. The difficult is what takes a little time. The impossible is what takes a little longer. That's it from The Economist Morning Briefing, available every weekday and on Saturdays. You can hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, by searching for The Economist on your podcast app or asking your smart speaker to play the latest Economist radio podcast. And as a subscriber, you have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app on your mobile device to start listening.